Welcome back to AI Dialogues. I'm your host, Stephanie Verkoyan, an educational developer at McMaster University. And today I'm joined by Matt Savelli, an associate professor in the Department of Health, Aging, and Society, who's also cross-appointed with the Arts and Science Program. Matt brings a more critical perspective of generative AI than we've had on the podcast so far, and is going to help us dig into some of the ethical implications of this technology. Let's get started. So Matt, Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. Very happy that you invited me. Thank you. So as I alluded to in the intro, people we've had on the podcast so far have been fairly self-declared enthusiasts. Where would you say that you fall on the spectrum? Whatever the exact opposite of that would be, uh, <laughs> probably that would be me. Yeah, I'm, I'm someone who who's both, I think, concerned and on almost a moral level offended, I think, by it. So I'm... Happy to give a different perspective. And what has your experience been like actually using these tools? Have you played around with them at all? Yeah, so I was someone who was sent, you know, links to ChatGPT in particular. Last year probably would have been October, November, sort of when it was first becoming popularized. And very immediately, you know, I tried it out. A number of my friends, knowing me to be a, an academic, sent it to me all at the same time, saying you know, oh, you better have a look at this, or what do you think about this? So I played around with it a fair bit. And I've also, you know, of course, been teaching throughout this whole time. And I've seen the ways that I think students use, or I would say misuse these tools. Yeah, so digging into that a little bit, I think you're getting into some of the reasons there are concerns about this technology. So there are many different reasons that people bring up. So there's, I think, ethics of labor, environmental impact, copyright concerns, and as I think you're getting to, academic integrity concerns. Where would you say your biggest concerns or reservations about the technology and how it's being used are coming from? So that's a good question. To be honest with you, in the grand scheme of things, academic integrity is probably lower on my list of concerns, which is not to say that I'm not concerned, but I see some other really pressing issues. You know, I'm not someone who thinks robots are going to take over. I'm not someone who's particularly concerned about, I don't know, AI weaponry or anything like that. Although I, I will acknowledge that, you know, there is certainly some legitimate space for concern there, especially the way AI has been used to, in terms of targeting and bombing raids and things like that. But my concerns are mostly at the social level and the twofold. So on the one hand, I have real, really significant concerns that AI is going to speed up and intensify many of the political problems that, that we're seeing today. So if we think about something like misinformation, right, generative AI makes it very easy to mass produce compelling sounding arguments rooted in misinformation. You know, you could have one guy in his basement creating an entire, you know, newspaper every day in a matter of minutes. You you know, you could easily see the way that AI can get applied to like what what are often called deep fake technologies. I don't know if you've spoken about those on the podcast so far, but you know, these are like videos that or pictures that to most people look entirely authentic and real. And the fact that this could be, you know, generated easily again by anyone is really concerning. So it wouldn't be hard to manufacture you know, video of a politician saying something that was completely untrue or completely 
counter to what they would otherwise express. Not to mention the fact that I think that that could also really wreak havoc in everyday social life. So, you know, my concerns around generative AI is that it's really going to have an anti-democratic effect or it's going to decay at least the quality of the democracy that, that we live in. So I'm worried about that. And in a kind of related way, and I think this connects to the academic stuff, I'm concerned about it degrading our capabilities as citizens. So, you know, when I assign students work, like if I assign students an essay, what I'm trying to do is not get them to memorize the content of whatever they read, because they're going to forget that. And I'm fine with that. But, you know, an essay is something that requires someone to engage in, in really slow, deliberative thinking. It requires them to read widely, to consult a number of different sources, to evaluate the quality of the evidence provided by those sources, to then take all of that information, organize their thoughts, and work through how to express it in a way that's really coherent and clear. And I think almost all of that process gets undercut by something like generative AI. And I see those as skills, you know, not for academics, but those are kind of skills for being a good citizen. You know, I'm worried about people who can't engage with the world and think critically. I'm worried about a citizenry who, you know, loses our analytical capacity. So, yes, it's not nice when students, you know, effectively cheat on a paper or something, but my concerns go well beyond the university. Yeah, no, I think that you raised some great points there. And I want to dig into this bit around kind of the process of or the fact that using AI just produces the product and removes the learning that can happen through the process. I think that aligns with what I'm seeing with a lot of people who are at different stages of their career and are using AI, having developed those skills. And so they're actually able to use it effectively. How do you see, if at all, instructors in the university environment kind of supporting students' use of this technology to be able to kind of both learn these process skills and recognize when AI may or may not be appropriate? You know, I, I think from my perspective, I don't see a role for the university necessarily in teaching students to use those, what you're calling tools. I think that our job is to teach them, you know, about the thinking side of things. People are going to learn to use, you know, generative AI in other contexts, and that's okay. But I, I'm not interested in producing people who are better workers or anything like that. You know, my conception of education, I want to produce better citizens. I want to produce better thinkers. People will learn to work elsewhere. They'll learn, you know, the skill of using AI elsewhere. And I think if we don't give them those foundational skills in critical analytical thinking and also their ability to communicate in terms of writing and orally, then I think it almost doesn't really matter if they learn to use AI because they're not going to use it well. You know, without those skills, there is no there is no good use of AI. Yeah, and I think it it gets to this broader idea of what is the function of the university. And I think what you're getting to differs from what many students coming into the university mm -hmm. expect, where there's this increasing expectation that students will be career ready or be set up for success upon graduation. 
And I can see a lot of the friction about AI in particular kind of butting up those those differing expectations. Is there anything that could change about either this technology or, or how it's used that would change or shift your thinking in terms of how you see its value or limited value? I don't think so. You know, I find it inherently dehumanizing and and I choose that word really deliberately because I do think it is literally taking humans uh, in some way out of this process or at least lessening the role of humans in this process. You know, I would say that in terms of being ready for the workplace, the vast majority of what universities are good at teaching, even now, even before AI, it's really those what are sometimes described as soft skills very few people are going to apply the content of what they learned in university in their career. You know, and that's true whether you're in the hard sciences, social sciences, humanities, or elsewhere. You know, with the exceptions of nursing, engineering, and maybe arguably social work, the vast majority of what universities do is actually train people, and I think quite well, in those soft skills. So even if someone was, you know, strictly concerned with their career, There's a value in learning these basic skills themselves. And I think any integration of AI is only one that's going to undercut or undermine that in some way. So I I don't see, you know, I just don't see these tools as preparing people for the workplace. I think, in fact, it will have the opposite effect uh, in the vast majority of instances. Of course, there are going to be professions where AI is used and where I think AI can be used really well. You know, it makes sense to me that there are applications for AI in the context of some occupations. But I think those are typically not the occupations that we are training people for at the university. And even if they are those occupations, they need these other skills more than they need the AI training, which they could probably pick up in a month. Yeah. So in your experience, do you think students recognize the value of the soft skills that they're kind of learning? I've heard it described as kind of the hidden curriculum. No. And that is largely the fault of the university itself. And I think it's a fault of the culture more generally. Certainly not the fault of the students because, you know, there are just young people turning up here following the, the guidance that's been given to them. I think as an institution, the university, and I don't just mean McMaster, I mean any institution, you know, typically positions itself as getting people ready for careers. And we don't do a good enough job of explaining to people what it is that we're doing to get them ready for careers. Most people come in thinking it's about the content. They don't recognize it's about the process. And that's something that we've just not communicated very well to people. I, I mean, I would argue that in the university, there's a big segment of people who I think believe that what we're doing is about kind of end product or or almost imagining learning as a kind of like data set that can be downloaded into someone's brain and then, you know, they've learned everything and they can move on. But I don't think that reflects the reality of what we do well. Yeah, and I mean, I think that really gets to some of the conversations around how do we actually assess learning where if we have this product does that actually reflect the process that's gone in behind to produce that product? How are you as an instructor trying to reconcile misuse of AI in your assessments? Have you been have you made any changes in, in what you've been doing? 
yeah, I've, I've made really significant changes. I think because I was playing around with ChatGPT as soon as it was released to the public, I could foresee the ways in which it really undercut the standard forms of assessment I would have used in the past, you know, signing essays where I gave students the broad question but left the research up to them, um, that kind of thing. That's very difficult to do in this context, at least without a really significant risk of, you know, violating, you know, the issues related to academic integrity. So I've had to shift to a lot more in-person assessments. Typically, that means written tests. I see some value in oral assessment as well, but, you know, that's not always scalable to really large classes. And do you find knowing that there is more time that has to be devoted to in-person assessment, has that shifted more of like the content delivery side of things as well? Yeah, yeah. I've had to cut out topics yeah. from my courses because, you know, instead of doing a midterm over one day, I now have to do four, for instance, because I had to replace the essay that got cut. And how has that changed your both your experience of teaching the courses and what you've been hearing from students? It's a good question. I mean, it, it certainly changes my experience because I think ultimately students are not engaging with some of these topics in their full complexity. So, I mean, it's impacting in some ways, you know, even the process skills that I'm trying to teach them because I'm just having to cut things out. So I found the courses a lot less enjoyable. You know, one of the, I think a lot of people won't believe me when I say this, but one of the joys being an instructor is, you know, when you've given a student an essay question and you can see that they really put the time and effort into it and what they produce is something really interesting. And it's like a wonderful little insight into into that person and, and how they think and the process they they undertake to write. And that's gone. And that's something I think I'm probably mourning a little bit. In terms of, you know, what it looks like on the student side, how they felt about the change, I don't know. I, I've had a couple of students ask me like, oh, this course used to have an essay. Why did you drop it? But I have no idea how they feel about it. I imagine it's probably a little more stressful for them because, you know, tests are stressful. It's nice to be deliberative with their thinking and to take time and to work on something. But in a context where there, you know, is no guarantee of, of academic integrity, that's a lot more challenging. Yeah. So I was reading something that referenced this idea that learning comes through friction. And I think it, it it's that double-sided. It's both there's the struggle that's associated with it, but then also the joy and the appreciation after having gone through that process. I think certainly you feel that as, as the student, but also sounds like that there's uh, that comes through as the instructor as well. Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, and I think when there isn't a struggle, it's a good sign you're not learning anything. I mean, the analogy I sometimes give students, which is an awful one when I think about it, is, you know, if you try to get into a boxing match with a three-year-old, it's not going to be hard to win, but you won't have developed your skills in any kind of meaningful way. I actually think that on the whole, people's struggles will increase because of generative AI because they're going to feel less capable when they enter the workforce, when they you know, enter the world more generally, um, leaving the university behind without having developed those skills. I think we're just actively de-skilling students if we don't find a way around what I would call the generative AI problem. Yeah, and I think there's a lack of appreciation for the environment in which 
the university creates this safe space to fail, to experiment without any real repercussions. But I think a lot of that comes from this systemic culture around the competitive nature that grades create and and all of the downstream effects of that. What are you hearing from colleagues? How are they approaching um, the situation? What are their thoughts on generative AI? It's interesting. Uh, certainly, there's there are a number of colleagues I've spoken to who share many of my concerns. They are often, you know, they're coming from places like social work or history, you know, places where I think there's often like a really significant emphasis on the human side of things and on process itself. I've been surprised and I would say, no, surprised is too weak a word. I've been shocked and and honestly quite disappointed actually with the extent to which some of my colleagues have embraced this, I think at times without thinking through the consequences. And I recognize that, you know, I'm speaking about this from my perspective and they're really smart people and probably smarter than me. So maybe they're seeing something I'm not, but I, I've been... I've been surprised in my worst moments uh, or in my most cynical moments. Sometimes I think this is, you know, they'd see it as a labor saving tool, something that will lighten the workload. And, you know, that that's understandable because I think a lot of professors are overworked, but I think others are just overwhelmed. I think the vast majority of them are just so overwhelmed by the size of this issue and the complexities that it's introduced into the university and into everything that we do, that it's almost easier to not confront it, to not think about it, to just sort of continue with business as usual in the hopes that it will go away or somehow it's going to just resolve itself. So yeah, I mean, I really thought people would be, more people would be up in arms and that has not been the case. I mean, that certainly aligns with what we're seeing here in uh, the Teaching and Learning Center, where there aren't nearly as many requests for support as we were anticipating. And I think you're right that it definitely is a result, a product of overwhelm and just taking this approach of, I don't want to say ignoring the problem, but just kind of trying to continue on business as usual. So the last question that I've been asking people, and it's not an easy one to take on, but do you have any predictions for what you think is going to happen over this next year or maybe what you'd like to see happen? I would love to see us slow down dramatically in terms of the adoption of AI. You know, I sat on a university committee over the summer that was drafting kind of like an AI policy for students and and faculty one of my major concerns on that committee was that we were moving a bit too quickly and that some of the statements we were putting out were not sufficiently thought through. So I would love to see things really slowed down. In terms of what I think will happen, how cynical shall I be here? I, I think that probably we're going to neglect to grapple with the significance of this by and large. I think will continue to do what is expedient as opposed to what I think might be best or most important. I think there are real challenges that cannot be solved in the university. So for example, how do you move towards oral assessment? For instance, in you know gigantic classes, you need to make the classes smaller. That's not something the university itself can can resolve. That's got to come from the province. So I don't foresee any significant changes But the one I know I would like to see is just slowing down. It's interesting. I think this 
idea of slowing down also comes with this need to almost expedite or speed up other addressing other challenges that that you were kind of getting to. So um, smaller class sizes, I think, is a change that itself is not something that's going to happen quickly. And so trying to kind of reconcile these these two opposing areas in which we need to kind of slow down our intentions, but also speed up some other things that can help us address uh, how, how we actually use these technologies. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I really envision a situation and I've used this line before with my colleagues where, you know, students pretend to study and faculty pretend to teach. And I think that is the end result of moving a little bit too quickly and, and not being incredibly deliberative and cautious as we take steps forward. And I, and I recognize that, you know, generative AI is not going away. I fully understand that. And again, I think there are some potential places where it could be useful, not so much in the university, but elsewhere. But um, I think the last thing we should do is adopt the Silicon Valley approach of just maximizing speed, sorting out the problems later. I think it, we'd be far better off trying to take a, a more considered approach. Absolutely. And I mean, there's been parallels with social media and how that was approached that has been uh, in the news quite recently. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would not be surprised at all if in 20 or 30 years, and maybe this is me as a historian, the way I think, I imagine we'll be looking back at this period and, and wondering why it was that we didn't uh, act a little bit differently. Well, thank you so much, Matt. I think you brought a, uh, a critical perspective that was, uh, that was needed to uh, help us pause at this juncture. We will be taking a short break over the, the winter holidays, and we will be returning in the winter term. All right. Thank you. Take care.